0: Case file number 1.12. Exception, driver error. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson.
1: Uh, the accounting subdirector of the Gibson's working really hard.
0: I think we got a hacker. So Hackalop, are you a car guy?
1: A little bit. Um, I've done some of my own troubleshooting and stuff with an OBD two port um for, for reading codes and stuff, but uh, I, I honestly stopped working on my own car right around when I got into InfoSec and could pay for repairs.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> so, like I like I can do my brakes, I can, you know, change my tires and read the, the ODB port. All that stuff but like anything when it comes to the engine i'm like i don't know like the the doohickey making some weird noise like I, my fluid light has been on for the past six months and i've added all the fluids i know and i'm like why why do you keep yelling at me, car like just leave me alone and just turn off the lights jesus
1: one thing i do know is nowadays half the time the problem is the broken sensor not because you have a broken thing
0: that's the thing i drive a nissan and nissan's notorious with the sensors and the tires if the temperature drops below 70, it immediately assumes like your tires have fallen off and like you're spinning out of control. So you, you mentioned the ODB port, which is good because uh, today's topic ties into uh, the ODB port in a lot of ways and um, you know just other aspects of the car. So today we're talking about uh, just packing cars um, and not in the cool, fun way like uh, Fast and the Furious 8. Seven. The one was Charlie Theron, where she's a quote unquote hacker and hacks a bunch of cars to like ram the good guys and like, you know, take seize control of all of them.
1: You can't do that until everybody's driving a Tesla.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not that cool yet, but you know, maybe in 10 years we'll all be like careening around at the whim of one hacker who just breaks into everything because, you know,
1: because Tesla left a, uh, a or somebody left a a plain text password in in the uh firmware or something
0: yeah yeah or like just the web server is just on the internet for some reason because someone wanted to remote in funny enough though uh i have two two main stories and out of the two tesla is the one that's actually very secure
1: yeah well i I was about to say is like i'm going with tesla because they were the first ones that had all of the necessary you know servos and stuff in place so that you could drive by wire but Honestly, I was like, I don't know if I have any basis of, of of mocking them.
0: Yeah, yeah, like uh I'll get into it later, but they have kind of really thought it out um and set up like, you know, a good infrastructure and like how this should work. Whereas some other car manufacturers were just like, mm, "Let's throw a computer in the car and see what happens."
1: Yeah. Well, uh I will say that they they started from the ground up. I all the other manufacturers kind of iterated on very simple sensors and just kept doing that. So, I think <clears> it they had the advantage of not having backwards compatibility and stuff stuck and, and sunk cost in their development.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: So I, I am just saying I'm not shocked.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, the first time I heard about this was still when I was in college and like around, uh, 2013, I saw an article and there was also like a, um, I think a video on YouTube. So like wired.com had this article, um, written by Andy Greenberg, Wherein he he met up with uh two guys, Charlie Miller and Chris valisek mm-hmm. And uh originally in 2013 they performed an attack on a Ford Escape and a Toyota Prius. And the uh I think the video was just a Ford Escape. And so that attack was it had to be done from the back seat of the vehicle. Like um Charlie and Chris were sitting like literally behind him mm-hmm. with their laptop out and tapping away and whatnot. Uh they were able to disable the brakes on the car, honk the horn, they could uh, jerk the seatbelts on him. And also take over the steering wheel from him and it's it's a pretty cool video i would suggest anyone listening uh go check it out you know because even though the, the guys are right behind him uh and he's still kind of like what the hell like this is so weird like you know he, he knew it was coming but it's still kind of like it's just a weird feeling to have you know the control of the vehicle just rest away from you
1: yeah so i'm i'm, I'm betting that's the same charlie miller that one Pwned to own all those times
0: uh probably
1: yeah i fig- i figure we, we we bring up a little of his providence if uh if i happen to have it off the top of my head but i can't i i know that anytime i have a fairly new car anytime it kind of does a driver intervention thing like going over a um a lane line that's very jarring to me like, it, it is that's nothing cl- compared to what was happening to him
0: yeah yeah like the, it always takes me uh for a loop when it does that like when if i'm renting a car driving and i'm not used to it i'm like what the hell just happened like oh you're going over lane auto correct sort of thing but so all all that was done by the odb port like they had plugged in you know to so the poor had their laptops connected to it and we're doing everything like straight through the car mm-hmm. so obviously that's it's kind of limited um Usually you're not going to allow like two hackerish looking dudes, you know, with their uh, black sunglasses and, uh, you know, let their trench coats to uh, just sit in your back seat with their laptops and be like, yeah, nothing could go wrong.
1: I'm just saying my OBD2 port checker that I own runs on wireless. Does it? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I When I was looking for one, I just kind of like bought like a cheap one off of Amazon, but I didn't even see any like wireless options.
1: Mine might be Bluetooth, but I know that the wireless options exist. So it's not that hard to get equipment that will connect to an OBD2 port that does not require you to have a cable going in there. It might be a little yeah. conspicuous, but the tech exists.
0: Yeah. And I think we were um talking about this like in a previous episode of like most people don't know where the ODB port is. And like, you know, you're gonna you're not really gonna notice anything attached to it because like a lot of them are tucked out of the way. Yeah, And unless you're actually looking, it, it reminds me of like old mafia movies where, like, you know, the guy had to like stop, you know, before he got in the car, and like look underneath the car and see the bomb attached to the, uh, the ignition and everything like that.
1: Well, you're not already checking for uh GPS trackers.
0: No, no. I don't care if people follow me. <laughs> I don't go anywhere interesting. Okay. So two years later, after this, uh, 2013, um, they were at it again with, uh, Andy driving a Jeep, like they called him up. I think, uh, according to the, the Wired article, called him up and asked if he wanted to do this again and he was like yeah sure why not but this time they did it all remotely uh they attacked uh his car from 10 miles away in uh charlie miller's home and uh remoted into everything and they you know they told him like you know just remain calm don't panic you know you know what's gonna happen and uh they started uh with playing with the uh, air conditioning the radio the windshield wipers uh, the Central Console picture, they actually like put a picture of the two of them up on the Central Console and they were just blaring Kanye on his uh <laughs> on his radio and stuff like that. Uh, then they cut the accelerator to him on the highway. And like that, he wrote in the article, kind of freaked him out. You know, a lot of cars were like behind him, beeping their horns and pulling away. And actually, one at one point he says in the article, like he saw a semi coming like down the highway, and he was like, Oh God, I hope it sees me. And like, you know, he was like yelling at them across the, the radio because they're on his phone and they could barely hear him because the radio was just blaring and stuff like that.
1: Like messing with the stereo. That's one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And it's and, and crazy. Like, you know, 10 miles away. Like that's yeah, pretty damn impressive.
1: Did they talk about how, uh, how they did that?
0: So they did. Um, you actually might've been there. Um, might not have been at this presentation, but it was a Black Hat presentation 2015.
1: I was definitely at Black Hat 2015, but I got to say that, that part of the reason I was interested in, in uh, why I was waiting for you to do this one is because uh, I haven't really done any research on car hacking at all. Yeah, yeah. You call dibs on this one, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, uh, they started uh, the research on the, the Jeep, um, but trying to hack the Wi Fi of it which uh, gen- it, the Wi-Fi generates its own password based on the time the car and the multimedia system are turned on for the first time they found out. Okay. So really like it's, it, that's not too hard to figure out. Um, you know, there's still many millions of combinations.
1: Millions isn't that many when you have a computer.
0: <laughs> no, not really. But if you take the year of the car, mm-hmm. so that narrows it down and kind of guess mm-hmm. the month of uh, you know, when it was uh, manufactured. Also, usually they don't manufacture. Well, I guess some facilities probably work 24 seven building cars, but if you just assume it was during the day, you're basically down to like 7 million possible combinations or less.
1: Yeah, well, also um, nowadays I know VIN tracking has become a little bit of a thing. So just if you know, if you have a particular target and you know the VIN, you can narrow that down further.
0: Yeah. I've also, uh, there's definitely like been a rash of like license plate cloning. Mm. so funny story like when i lived around dc um anyone from dc knows that there is the like the Dulles toll road there that runs like around uh, nova and it requires you to have an easy pass and you know i was getting like a few easy pass violations sent to me in the mail like hey you need to you know pay this i was like okay whatever you know maybe my easy pass just didn't register and whatnot and i i lived around that area for some time so i was driving that road so it made sense and then when i moved out of state um across the country i kept getting those notices and i was like wait a second and in fact I, I started to kind of like piece two and two together and i looked back at some of the previous notices and i had been in iceland <laughs> during like two or three of the violations and i was like wait a second i wasn't driving the car like then what the hell is going on and uh, come to find out i think someone cloned my license plate and was actually like driving through a lot of these tolls but like i, I contacted the you know because it all goes to collections because yeah. virginia doesn't feel like actually like reaching out to you outsource it yeah exactly so you know they were screaming at me and i was like like yeah i didn't violate any of this stuff you gotta like show me some more proof and they stopped contacting me so i'm <laughs> like all right whatever like you know as long as they'll hit my credit and i don't have to pay the money like i'm fine
1: uh, man, i don't know i feel like i would have at least reported it to the to dmv or the or the virginia police or something
0: well there, there's nowhere really to report it um actually like the person that uh kind of keep me in on it is like one of the one of the editors for this podcast and she told me like she had just seen a news report on it. And so I looked into it and yeah, like the guy had been a victim of this crime, had his license plates cloned. And then like he had gone to judges and stuff and like he he was like, listen, like this is not my car. Like what am I supposed to do? And they just kind of like ignored him. And so like I think it got like so severe they finally he finally might have just changed his license plate.
1: Yeah. But the thing, the thing that I'm thinking from like completely a data analysis point of view, I'm like, I have no idea how to figure out how common this is because they're not taking any reports or anything like that. Mm -hmm. How do you figure this out?
0: And it's the same issue with the the speed cameras and stuff like that. They hit you. And then what are you, what are you supposed to do? Take the day off from work, go down and try to like, you know, say like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't speeding. Nine times out of 10, the judge will say, well, you were because the machine caught you and that's it. I got flagged once for taking a right-hand turn doing 75 miles an hour on a road. Like you, they sent me the video and I watched myself take the turn. I was like, there's no way my little Nissan Versa took that turn at 70 miles an hour. But it wasn't worth fighting. I just gave them the $50 and went on my way.
1: Well, I, so I, my, my head's spinning on, given some of the tracking that people are doing in vehicles now, you know, for assurance purposes and whatnot, whether mm-hmm. or not you could start to uh, develop some analysis that actually shows um, out of pattern.
0: That would be interesting to like cross-reference, like if you have the, uh, like the Geico app or whatever, and like you cross-reference and be like, hey, your speed camera said I was doing 90 miles an hour. The Geico app did not peg me at like, you know, speeding at all during that day and like try to use that as proof.
1: Where I went was, hey, I bet I could use some um, neural network analysis to, start modeling people's behaviors because people mm. tend to go to the same places and yeah. uh, see if I couldn't start mocking or marking out suspicious uh, stuff there. But this is getting awfully close to big brother shit.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It's also completely off. Well, kind of off topic. It's involving cars. So. It's all about cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Back to the show.
0: So um, like I said, like, you know, that that limited it down to like 7 million possible combinations. Mm-hmm. But so the issue is that as you're trying to guess the Wi-Fi password, you kind of have to be following and keeping in range of the Jeep as you're Mm -hmm. trying to break it. So that's kind of difficult, you know, and some people might notice like, you know, a a van of like people all with computers following them everywhere they go. So um, the two guys found another way. It turns out the the Wi-Fi was generated before the actual time and uh, date is set, and it's based on the system default plus a few seconds as it boots up. Whoops! (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoops!
0: <laughs> so uh, that date being uh, January first, twenty thirteen, 2013 uh, 000 GMT.
1: Once again, that good design is foiled by poor implementation.
0: <laughs> exactly. So they uh, they they use this basically to be like, all right, well now we know the passwords, and they connected to the head unit of the Jeep and uh, were able to hack the multimedia uh, computer, which runs a Linux operating system on it, exploiting like a few guessable issues, and uh, took over that unit. Convenient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there were limited possibilities. Um, you know, obviously the multimedia computer is only capable of take you know, they could take control of the music player, set the radio to whatever they want and any volume. So like at most you're just going to annoy the hell out of someone who's driving.
1: Unless they've got a blue a system like if that vulnerability existed was something that had the ability to answer a call through blue through the Bluetooth audio system. Well now you can listen to what's happening in the car.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could. Um there's actually, like, another thing uh, with not Bluetooth, but, like, uh, one of the apps uh, we'll get to a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you could use the Bluetooth. You um, could probably actually, like, pull down all their connection lists and stuff like that mm-hmm. as well. That's why, like, every time I always delete my phone settings on the car when I return to the rental agency. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't want anyone knowing anything about me. Um, so you can also track the car with its GPS nav system through the multimedia uh, head unit
1: oh that's nice
0: and you don't even need to change the software because that's just built right in so yeah you, you know just track where they're going so this all relies though on if the owner is paying a subscription for the wi-fi connection mm-hmm. like out of the box um think chrysler offers it you know usually these things are offered for like one two months um for free and then they want a subscription sort of thing kind of like uh uh, what's the satellite radio It's super popular serious yeah 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 um like anytime you buy a new car usually comes with like a package for a few months to try to get you addicted so you yeah. know obviously once that runs out uh not many people are gonna buy it so um currently you know not many people use wi-fi connection uh for chrysler so that kind of foiled that however uh they are all connected to a sprint cell network and that is by default um you know, and just comes on every Jeep, or came on every Jeep back in 2015. So uh, Miller and Valisek, uh used a femtocell, which is a compact cell base station, yeah. to get into the Sprint network and mass scan all of the IPs, uh, listening for certain calls they already knew about after they hacked the Wi-Fi. So they kind of figured out, you know, what to look for, and uh, narrow down their search. I think it was Miller who said, like, uh, finding the right one is actually kind of hard. It's much easier to just hack all the Jeeps than a certain one, mm-hmm. but. Because you also have access to the GPS tracker, you can kind of narrow it down to finding the right one through there. Yeah. If there aren't that many Jeeps around the area and you just happen to know this guy, you know, driving a Jeep and he's the one you want to hit. So the next step was trying to connect to the CAN bus, which is the uh, vehicle's internal network, which basically interconnects all of the most important pieces, your engines, transmission, all the sensors, you know, brakes, everything, all the fun stuff in the car. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the multimedia system not directly connected to the uh, the campus good yeah good, good on them <laughs> um and it's often cited by like manufacturers of a lot of cars you know saying like hey, we didn't connect our multimedia system directly to the the inner workings of the car, so you know plus one for us on security, right
1: you know segmentation is a valid security strategy yeah 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 i can't I can't say that they're completely wrong
0: no, like like you could have connected everything and just been like. Screw it! Yeah. We don't care. But like, at least they took past that step. So you know, it is air capped. Yeah. Um, so obviously, there's there's no way to breach an air cap. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the end all be all. Uh, you know, security tactic, right?
1: It's been broken in the past.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, it was too. Um, actually, the multimedia system can talk to other components, which uh, do connect to the campus. Uh, one of these being the V850 controller. And the V850 controller was designed in a cautious way. It can't send commands directly to the campus, which, again, is good. Mm-hmm. It can only listen to stuff coming off it. Uh, but since it's also a computer, it can be reprogrammed. <laughs> so that's basically what they did. They were able to upgrade the firmware. And, you know, while they did air gap stuff and, like, good for security and stuff like that, the upgrade to the firmware uh, pro- or performed no check for authorization.
1: Yep. As as we all know from basically all of update security, validate your updates before you install them.
0: Exactly, but even even if it had, um, you know, they found a couple of vulnerabilities where they could have just taken over the V eight fifty controller anyways. Mm. So it was just kind of like, oh well, cool. Like it doesn't do checks, so Like we we don't need to like you know actually exploit any vulnerabilities but they had them in their back pocket if they needed
1: yeah well and that speaks to the control was in the software rather than and then they didn't protect the device versus architecting it so there was you know a transmit and a receive and cutting the transmit uh, side of things
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: the thing is they only they didn't have an actual air gap because it was just the end of a of a lateral str- of a string between things there there wasn't actually an air gap there. Nothing jumped the air gap. They,
0: they made a gap between these two things and then they just built a bridge.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's...
0: <laughs> and they were like, security, we're done. <laughs> so yeah, now that they were able to take over the uh, v eight fifteen programmer program it to basically, you know, send commands mm-hmm. to the CAN bus, uh, they now had full control of the vehicle and could do literally anything they wanted. They could lock the doors, disable the brakes if they wanted, uh, turn on and off the engine, uh, control the steering wheel, and like literally everything else you can imagine with the car. So it took a few years for them to figure this out. And they actually like during the presentation, they kept the main trick they used to like get this access a secret. Obviously for safety reasons, they didn't want, you know the public just going out and start doing this to all the, uh, the Chrysler's, the Chrysler Jeeps. <laughs> and uh, I believe Chrysler did a massive recall on this too, to like fix the issue. So
1: currently- Put the transmit cable.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The other, the other cool thing in uh, 2015, there was another talk at DEF CON. Uh, given by Mark Rogers and Kevin uh, Mahaffey, I think I'm pronouncing that right, regarding the uh, Tesla Model S Mm -hmm. and how they could chain together like a bunch of different exploits to uh, take control of it. So they said they picked the Model S uh, since they believed it was an archetype for what cars would look like in the future, given all its sophistication and whatnot. So yeah. Good call. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they found, you know, it was very secure, actually uh, a large chunk of the presentation, I think like four days to 15 minutes, was uh, basically just them showing all the dead ends they found. And like, yeah, yeah. which, you know, sometimes like for some people is not as exciting because you want to see like, you know, did you get the goods? But it's also really cool just to see like how they thought and like when they, they went down all these different paths and then seeing that Tesla also was like, oh yeah, like they might try this, let's, you know, secure it in this way. And they might try to do this, like, you know, seeing how many times they could roadblock them and like actual uh, defense in depth.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I. The, the wow presentations are, are, are awesome. They get big applause, but the methodology stuff is really where you learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they actually obtained a Model S um, from a private party. that just donated it to them. And what they did was they pulled apart the dashboard. And within that, they found that there were two removable SD cards, a USB header, and some diagnostic ports, and also a mystery cable. So the first thought was, obviously, like, let's look at the SD cards. Uh, they found one SD card actually contained carkeys.tar, <laughs> which obviously contained the digital keys for the, the Tesla Model S uh, transponder when it was in range.
1: So much good thought. <laughs>
0: and then... <laughs> Got to gotta, gotta keep it simple. I mean, so they, uh, they couldn't actually get access to the firmware via the USB uh, since it was locked down. Good. Which is good. Uh, in the software, they found a link to download firmware directly from Tesla's servers via VPN to the Tesla mothership. Okay. But obviously, all the cars had to be connected via this VPN. And the way it worked is that the VPN, you have to constantly be sending uh, security codes to the VPN for it to keep you connected. So there was no way really for them to try to download the firmware themselves and mm-hmm. like, like bypass this.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah, so they were like, well, shit, that doesn't work either. Like, how are we going to do this? So they went back to the mystery cable and um, found out it was basically just a proprietary Ethernet connection. So they hacked together an adapter, uh, said like they basically just threw together with like some duct tape and like, you know, some other stuff and uh, they got onto the onboard network. So they were, you know, actually got into the system now. They they stepped in line with the connection were able to download and decompile the firmware uh, from the VPN. Funny fact, it actually contains a, a random Monty Python nights nice to say neat Easter egg within it.
1: You know, programmers going to program.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're a code monkey slave in a way, like, you know, every now and then you got to some fun stuff.
1: Hey, the, the, the first Easter egg was basically that, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the firmware they found pointed to a handful of passwords being stored insecurely in one of the data folders. Another weakness they found was the Wi-Fi connection built into every Model S, um, the program to automatically connect to a wireless network of any Tesla service center, which, of course, is just named Tesla Service for the uh, SSID. And it, they all use a static network key. So, you know, obviously they were able to spoof that network because it's not that hard and uh, get wireless connections to the car. So with those three things, the Wi-Fi connection, the digital car keys found on SD card, and the VPN connection, that basically gave them access to the infotainment software service called uh, QT Car Vehicle, which I couldn't find any information, but I'm wondering if it's based off of, like, the QT framework?
1: It's somewhat less popular now, but the, but but it's, uh, but it's a decent X Windows um framework, so... Not a bad idea.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I loved it. Like, that's what I've used for some of my Python applications, like when I wrote a connection broker and stuff. Like, yeah. out of all the frameworks I was looking at, Qt was basically the easiest one.
1: Yeah, well, I, I used to run KDE, and Qt was mm. was the framework that, that, that KDE ran for, um, so. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, as anyone that owns a Tesla will tell you, the uh, infotainment system does control a lot of stuff on the car. I, I've personally never driven a Tesla, but like I've seen, you know, that freaking computer monitor there on the dashboard, and the thing's huge. And also, like watched random videos, like um, Top Gear, you know, them driving like one of the uh, the Tesla trucks around, and like all the different stuff the infotainment system could do for them, and stuff like that. Was pretty amazing. So there were limitations. So if someone might notice if you had like ripped their dashboard apart to do all this. Also, access has to be constant since the VPN uh, connection security tokens need to be constantly sent to the server or the car will lock you out of the access immediately. Mm -hmm. So the system doesn't send any CAN data across the Ethernet, which is good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they could only do what is allowed basically by Tesla's own legit APIs. Um, It can be locked down at low speeds through this, but that's basically um, five miles per hour and anything below that and the safety systems always keep the driver in control so there was no way for them to like try to lock them out of the steering or something like that
1: you know what that sounds well designed the only bit that i that i have some issue with is poor key honestly poor key management they they should have been well in an ideal world the thing that i would expect to improve uh is having a high security module to deal with um with a public, with a private key uh storage and actually mm-hmm and use public private key cryptography for, for a lot of this, this stuff. If, for example, the VPN connection could, uh, could authenticate using the, uh, basically you have, you know, every car that comes off the assembly line. If you have their public key, you can do your authentication that way and yeah. not expose the authentication in any way. And obviously the, the, the keys are going to keep rotating because that's how ephemeral keys work. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But but a lot of this stuff of things that are plain text goes away when you when you store that stuff in a high security module. And my next episode is going to be about certificate authority. so we're going to talk a little bit about those.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah, like you said, all in all, like pretty pretty good secure system. I, I was surprised. Um, I was expecting like you know there to be like all these like failings, but like good on Tesla for doing all of that. Yeah. I was actually just thinking um, one of the things I hate, at least on my car. A lot of like the cars that I've I've driven like from um, rental agencies stuff like that is that in the console like you can't change like the time or like add a phone to the Bluetooth and like all this other stuff because they disable that like when you're driving like it only works if the car stops because they don't want you fiddling it while you're driving. But it doesn't enable either if you have a passenger like the car can detect someone's in the passenger seat.
1: I've had the same thought.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, like, you know, oh, like add your phone. Oh, wait, we can't because like, I have to basically stop the damn car. And like, you know, to to add anything. And I'm like, there's clearly another person here, like, just please, for the love of God, like, let me do this.
1: Yeah. uh, The internal navigation on my car, um, which I use sometimes, uh, even though it's not awesome, just Mm -hmm. so it's not attached to anybody's phone. I asked my wife to make a change one time. And it was like, no, I can't. I'm like, what oh god damn it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 uh yeah it's it's so annoying and uh for the for the onboard nav systems do you have to update them is that like the old um the dashboard units
1: so uh instead of running off a cd oh, it's off of an sd card and uh oh, okay i i forget if, it, if i got it directly off of amazon or if i could got it for, through ebay but i got I think probably last year's card for, for 50 bucks, instead of spending whatever the dealer would have wanted for it.
0: Yeah. So like I had never used any sort of GPS and my first time driving out of Virginia to go look at a college from upstate Mm -hmm. New York, my friend's uh, dad was just like, Oh, like here, use this, you know, just so you don't get lost. And like, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, so Google maps really wasn't a thing back then either. And so I had this thing and I was like, just driving down through Virginia and man, like it had not been updated in years. So I just remember at one point it was like, oh, like take, take a right here. And I looked to the right and I was like, there's, there's like literally a lake there. Like, I don't think a road ever existed. Like what the hell's going on? It was horrible. Like it would constantly be yelling at me to like, you know, like take a turn and like, you know, X amount of feet. And I had already passed the turn and stuff like that.
1: The, the dark days of MapQuest got me, uh, got me checking directions before I set out most of the time but
0: yeah, yeah yeah i used to like basically write down all the directions on a piece of paper and then like commit them to memory from like you know looking them up
1: you can actually print out turn by turn directions from like google maps and stuff
0: oh yeah 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 <laughs> I, I do it for my parents because oh okay <laughs> not not so good at using like the apps so like you know they can go back to the, the old school navigation of just reading down the thing and then reading it back up when you try to return home
1: so going back to uh tesla they did mm-hmm. a great job on the computer system, and they still have actual car quality control problems.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I find that in- interesting, but probably predictable. Mm-hmm.
0: So around 2015, there were some other um, little highlighted uh, attacks on cars. So uh, GM OnStar had a remote link app. Mm-hmm. The OnStar app allowed you to basically, as a user, have the ability to utilize um so a bunch of capabilities from your Android or iOS device. Uh, you could locate your car, you could lock or unlock your car, and you could like start the car. Uh, the flaw in app, though, allowed hackers to basically impersonate the victim uh, in the eyes of the app and you know start the car or unlock it themselves. There was a keyless entry uh, exploit. Uh, Sammy uh, Kamkar found, and he demonstrated a device that basically intercepts the signals from keyless uh, entry fobs to allow attackers to unlock doors and start engines criminals like ran with this you know building their own fobs for your cars to you know unlock them and
1: i'm actually very interested in in the tech behind this and how secure the the transmission mechanism is because if it's you know shaving a haircut kind of knock sequence level of security then that's a real problem
0: yeah i'm not entirely sure like i need to look into it more i do remember someone demonstrating like basically just the same thing with the um like Apple, Apple Walls and stuff like that when it was first coming out with the NFC mm-hmm. and how you could use a cell phone to just clone the signal if you were standing behind the guy at the cash register and just, you know, scan his signal again. And the same thing was used with a lot of the car fobs. It's like you could just pick up the fob signal and just replay it back to the cars.
1: That's always been the way that garage door have opened which is why you can yeah. get a generic one uh and program Yeah yeah I was just going to say like I
0: remember mm-hmm. like you know seeing videos of people like you know you just drive down the street with garage door opener and see which garage doors open. Yep. So basically like where we're at now here in uh 2021 uh the most recent update article I could find was based around 2019. It's uh from an Israeli firm called uh, Upstreet Auto and they published this report uh for 2019 stating that uh only around 150 incidents had occurred in 2019 like in terms of like car hacking, um, which is not too many, Mm -hmm. obviously, but it's also a 99% increase from the year before. Yeah. So the the industry has experienced basically 94% year-over-year growth since 2016. So, you know, it's just, it's been escalating. And it's like as more modern cars come out and everything's connected to the internet and like so on and so forth, or you have an app that can do all this stuff.
1: So it's been basically doubling every year since 2016? Basically, yeah we all, we all know the joys of uh of of exponential growth.
0: Yes, yes, exactly.
1: Where would you say uh, it was about 100,000? What you uh, what was the number again? 150 150,000?
0: No, 150. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah just, okay. just 150, not that many. So,
1: we're still at a small enough number where even measuring that geometric growth is is maybe not a good trend line.
0: Um, exactly. Just too
1: small a, num- a set of numbers.
0: Yeah. The incidents vary wildly. Uh, Breach in February 2019 targeted systems in some U.S. Army troop carrier vehicles. Oh, lovely. Yeah, which obviously very bad, but also doesn't affect consumer cars. Um, But just a month later, Toyota announced a breach that exposed data of 3.1 million customers from uh, their servers. So bug bounties are a major way the manufacturers are trying to combat this. Um, Only 38% of the hacks are done by researchers, though. So fifty percent or fifty-seven percent are performed by the uh, bad guys, and five uh, percent are performed by other parties. We, we don't know what those other parties are um, from the article. I'm assuming aliens or pod people. The one article I found that like referenced this also said it, it could be you, Jackman from uh, Swordfish.
1: Do you have in your stuff the uh, Ocean Lotus BMW stuff in your research?
0: Uh no, I didn't, I didn't even find that one.
1: Uh so the Ocean Lotus APT group, and I'm going basically off of you know 10 minutes of research while you were talking Mm -hmm. um so it's not complete but the ocean lotus apt group uh apparently being active on the state on behalf of the state of uh of vietnam managed to hack bmw and i believe they're saying that they loaded cobalt strike the cobalt strike uh, package on onto (laughs) bmw maybe maybe when we do the follow-up to this one because we already discussed some other stuff that we wanted to uh talk about in this uh Maybe we'll go into a little bit more depth of the of what happened with Ocean Lotus.
0: Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. But um, so bulk of these attacks are basically just key fob access, um, you know, which makes the most sense. You know, if, yeah. if you're attacking a car, you know, nine times out of 10, like you're not trying to murder the person in the car, like take control of the car and like steer them off a the cliff. Like you want to steal their car. Like that's yeah. where you're going to get your money. And you figure out how to remote start the car, you know, and I have to be like the movies and break in and like you know cross the wires and everything. If you can literally just steal someone's key fob, uh, you know, signal, remote start their car, hop in, just drive off, then yeah, you're good. Yeah. So that is the the major one.
1: Well, well, I find that funny because a lot of what you're talking about, about hot wiring a car, most modern cars for a pretty long time have been pretty resistant to that. Yeah, yeah. And and now there's just another means of doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> we've, we've just evolved to now give everyone the ability to help the car again. So company servers are a close second. So mm-hmm. uh, just the key fob access, again, you know, you get a bunch of customer data, you know, that can benefit you in some way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mobile apps are around 12% and ODP ports, infotainment um, systems round out the top five. Like a lot of, things I talked about, like the infotainment system, there's not much, like you could use the GPS tracking if it ties into that, but you know, not much you can do other than just annoy the hell out of them by playing like horrible music.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the road towards, uh, towards making something out of it is longer, but like you said, you can track people and the infotainment system supports the phone system. You can also listen in.
0: Yeah, so 82% of uh, these attacks are remote. Um some obviously more shorter range than others, such as mm-hmm. the FOP attacks. Yeah. But still, like that's a pretty high percentage for, you know, remotely accessing a car.
1: Yeah. 82%.
0: And you could just imagine, you know, like as cars become more modern, like it's just gonna, you know, grow. Yeah. But um that's uh that's all I have on uh, hacking cars. I, I'm glad I drive like a twenty fourteen. Nothing really tied in to the uh the internet or any Wi Fi or anything like that.
1: I don't. <laughs> in fact, the manufacturer has some new app and stuff like that that I haven't really gotten into and connected my car to, and now I'm less likely to.
0: I, I do remember I test drove uh, I think a Ford Focus when I was trying to find a new car at one point, and uh, the guy, like the guy, the salesman, his main sales pitch to me initially was like, "Oh, it's really cool. Like, look at everything you can do on the infotainment system. It runs Windows." And I immediately was like, "That's not a selling point to me." <laughs>
1: It's like, I work at Infosec.
0: That's, yeah, I, was like, um, I I spent like a good 30 minutes of the test drive just explaining why Windows, you know, not that secure and all these <laughs> issues. It was like, well, shit, I didn't know all that.
1: And then we started a podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I was, that was pretty awesome. I can't wait <laughs> for the follow-up.
0: Yeah. Beep, beep, vroom, vroom. Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow hackthegibbs one on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.